to us. I'm in a series, Don't Be Afraid. We started this series on Easter. This is sermon number six. Uh, the key verse comes from Psalms 34. The psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. So literally, you don't have anything to be afraid of. Many times the devil will take fears in our life and bind us and keep us in bondage, preventing us from being the person that God made us to be. You can release those fears today. Fear has no reign in your life if you are a child of God. And today we're going to talk about a fear that I think has a grip on many people. Anytime we face something new in our lives, we face the fear of inadequacy. Now, this is a very simple fear to describe. It's when you look at your life and you think, I don't have what it takes. <laughs> you know, I just don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to be a parent. I don't have what it takes to be a leader. Sometimes we think, I don't have what it takes to be a believer. How many of you have ever felt that way? Come on, kids, raise your hands. We all have. Every one of us in this room has felt that. Now, it's very important to understand that God doesn't want us to feel this way. I think a lot of times we are confused in Christianity and in church. Sometimes people confuse this fear of inadequacy with humility. And some believers think that God really wants us to feel this way. That God wants us to feel like we're not worth much. Just, just sort of down here. That, that we're not worth anything. But I'm telling you, that is not true. You are worth something to God. You are special. And so He doesn't want you to feel like you are inadequate. I love 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. The word fear that is used there is translated in many other versions as the word timid. For example, the Bible says in the NIV, for the spirit for for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So God has not given us this timid spirit of feeling inadequate. No, God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prayed this prayer, and it's really my prayer for you today. In verse 18 of chapter 1, he said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, and he lists these things he wants them to know. In verse 19, he goes on to say that you may know his incomparably great power for those who believe. My prayer for you today is that the eyes of your heart may be opened, that you can see from the inside out how great God's power really is in your life. That's the answer to this fear of inadequacy in our lives. It's that you might know His great power. He wants to share His power with us. And you might wonder, how great is God's great power? Well, He keeps the world spinning. <laughs> he keeps the sun burning. He takes billions of stars and hangs them in place, and He keeps them there. 
every minute of every day, the Bible says that he wants to use that same great power to transform our lives and to make his power work in our lives. He wants to take our feeling of, I don't have what it takes, and he wants to express to us that he does have what it takes. Okay, so here's my message in, a, in just a nutshell. It doesn't mean that I, I'm going to tell you this and you can go to sleep, all right? Please listen to the rest of it. But here it is. In a, you don't really have what it takes. None of us do. But God does. He has all power. And He wants to transmit and transform that power into our lives. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Not through myself, not in my own ability. He said, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How? How does he do that? How do I experience his power in my life? Well, you may not like the answer I'm about to give you. <laughs> but it's the answer the Bible gives. I am set free from the fear of inadequacy not by having great success in my life, but from how I respond to difficult circumstances in my life. You see, the way to begin to feel a new sense of confidence, of strength, and of power in life is to begin to learn how to respond to difficult circumstances that come into our life. When you and I feel inadequate, here's what God does. Because he loves us so much, he sends difficult circumstances into our life. And we can respond in one of two ways. We can either become mad and get bitter and feel more and more inadequate, or we can understand the way God wants us to respond and the way God wants us to feel. And once we understand that and begin this process, then God begins to build confidence in your life. Now, church, listen to me. It would be so easy for me to stand up here this morning and spend 20 minutes building you up, just building up your confidence, telling you how great you are and that you can go out and do anything you want to do. But I know that would last about as far as the parking lot is long. And before you hit Highway 71 out there, you would face another difficulty in your life. And you know what? That's not the way God builds confidence in our life. His way is to send into our lives some pretty tough circumstances to show us how to respond. And when we begin to respond correctly, then He builds His confidence in our hearts. So today I want to give you three of these circumstances. Three of these difficult situations that God just constantly drops in our path and brings into our life. And how we respond to these three will determine what kind of confidence we have or lack thereof. And as he brings these three circumstances into our life, he can use these three circumstances to build his confidence into your heart. So are you ready? Here's number one. God uses incurable weakness to build confidence in our lives. The Apostle Paul, as great as he was, struggled with an incurable weakness in his life. Three times he asked God to take this thing away. And all three times God told him no. 
He said, I don't want to live with this anymore, Lord. God said, too bad, Paul, you're going to have to. In fact, as it's recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And then in the next verse, the apostle Paul himself said, For when I am weak, then I am made strong. So what is this incurable weakness? What is an incurable weakness? Well, some of you get weak need at the side of a chocolate candy bar. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. And it's not sin that we have in our lives because that is curable. God can cure our sin problem. He can forgive us and take it away. So we're not talking about temptation. An incurable weakness is some kind of limitation that you have in life. It could be a physical limitation or an emotional limitation. It could be a talent limitation. It's any limitation in your life that is inherited and you can't change on your own. Paul had a name for his weakness. He called it his thorn in the flesh. Now what a description, huh? A thorn in the flesh. We really don't know what it was. Some people think that it was the fact that he couldn't see very well. That somehow or another his vision was affected. He, he couldn't see. Now that would be some kind of limitation. Would it not? That would be some kind of weakness that we have in life. Some believe that it was that. Other commentators that I read think that, that perhaps his thorn in the flesh was his wife. <laughs> I don't know where people come up with that kind of stuff because that's not what wives are, is it? No, absolutely not. I think it was some kind of physical limitation in his life. But here's what God told Paul. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Now, doesn't that, that sound a little strange to you? Doesn't it seem God would make His power more perfect in our lives by causing us to be more powerful? But it doesn't work that way. You see, when I face a weakness in my life, it invites me to respond to God in such a way that He can build a new sense of of confidence in my heart. I love the way the Living Bible translates this verse. It says, my power shows up best in weak people. <laughs> wow. Hey, have you ever seen a healing service on TV? You know, they're, they're at some church or some evangelistic crusades having a healing service, so they line all these people up on the stage, and, and then the evangelist comes and pops them on the head and knocks them back, and they're healed. Have you, you ever seen that on TV? Okay. People are being healed and they're talking about how great and how powerful God is. Well, the exact opposite was happening to Paul. Paul saw God's power not in healing, but in his weakness. The fact that he didn't heal him. So how can you see God's power in a physical limitation in your life? How can you see God's power in the fact that you're not as talented or gifted as someone else? Only one word. It's the word dependence. Dependence. When I respond to incurable weakness with dependence on God. 
You see, many times our response to our feelings of insecurity and inadequacy is that, that we just keep life pared down to our own human limitations. This, this is what I can do, and, and this is what I can't do. This is, this, is, this is all I can do. I can't do that. I, I don't have that gift or that experience, or because of my physical limitation, I can't do that. And we get wrapped up in ourselves, and that's usually a pretty small package. God says, no, you, you are limited. I know you're limited, but you depend on me, and we can do this thing together. Hmm? To help you see where you might be surrendering in your life to this fear of inadequacy, ask yourself this question maybe once a month or maybe once a week. What is it that I am attempting in my life that I could not pull off on my own strength, but it requires God's strength? Really, think about that right now. What are you trying to pull off in life that you can't accomplish on your own? It requires God's power. And God's strength. You see, dependence helps us to understand God's strength in our own lives. So how in the world do you see God's power in your weakness? Dependence on Him. Not on yourself, but on God. With each one of these, I want to give you a practical place to start. Depending on God is a huge thing in your life. So where do you get started with that? What's something you can do on a regular basis that is going to build this attitude, this characteristic of depending on God into your life? Well, I think a really good starting place for responding to incurable weakness with dependence is what we're doing right now. Weekly worship. Corporate worship. Coming together once a week and, and worshiping God. You see, there's something special about worship that reminds us of how powerful God really is. It's a regular reminder that we need God in our life. Remember what happened to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6? He went into the temple of God. He went into God's house, and boom, he saw himself as he really was, weak and limited, inadequate in so many areas. But then he saw God... And it changed his perspective. Psalm 63, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I have beheld your power and your glory. I don't know if you get that out of corporate worship, but you know what? You need to try it sometime. Just come in here and, and understand there are other people worshiping, people just like you who have had difficulties in their life this past week, but God has been real to them. And that same God who carried your friend through this past week can help carry you through. God is powerful. Get a picture of His power. Here's the verse Angie referred to, Psalms 40, verse 17. I am poor and weak, and yet the Lord is thinking about me right now. Guys, listen to me. That's what worship does for us. We come in here and we realize how poor and how weak we really are. That yeah, we have had a tough week. That we maybe blew it. But God is thinking about me right now. Perhaps one of the most significant things that happens in worship is this. That we come in here and, and we kind of lose ourselves as we worship Him and sing to Him. And as we hear His word, we get a focus on God. We see God as He really is. But then, as Isaiah did, 
we get a glimpse of who we are. And all of a sudden we realize that, you know what? God is looking at me every moment of my life. Here I sit. I am poor and I am weak and I have little to offer. But God is thinking about me. I'll tell you what, that, that'll change your perspective. That builds into my heart the ability to depend upon God. And, and that's a, a weekly exercise that all of us need to do to build our dependence on God muscle. Where, where's that one at? Well, it's right in here in your heart, man. And you need that one to be strengthened. One of the things God sends into our lives to build confidence in Him is incurable weakness. Whatever yours is, don't look at it as a limitation. Understand that God can take that limitation and He can do something awesome through it. Paul had an amazing thorn in the flesh. He could have prohibited him to do all the things that he could have just sat back and said, Oh, I can't do that. I can't be a missionary. I can't write those letters. I can't be a blessing to anyone else. Poor me. Woe is me. He could have sat in a corner and ate some worms. But he depended on God. And dear friend, listen to me. You can too. You can too. What does God use to build confidence in our lives? Number two, he uses unreasonable people. Do you know any unreasonable people? Well, we've got them in our lives. All of us do. Someone said that unreasonable people are like heavenly sandpaper. They irritate the rough edges off of our life. What does an unreasonable person look like? Well, read the book of Timothy. He faced a bunch of them. They criticize much more than they encourage. They attack us on all sides. They always want to get you involved in arguments. They tend to major on the minors and keep you from focusing on what's really important. And most of the time, unreasonable people are filled with selfishness. Does that remind you of anyone? Sometimes we work with them. Sometimes we go to school with them. Sometimes they live in our neighborhood. Sometimes they're even in our Bible study. Some of you have so many rough edges in your life that God has seen to it that you're married to a piece of heavenly sandpaper. Just think about it. You're afraid to laugh because that, that sandpaper is rubbing on you right now. Eh? Let me quickly hasten to change the subject here. Whose word... Yeah, thank you. You tell me, whose words do you remember more, an encourager or a critic? Well, a critic. That shows the power of unreasonable people in our life. 500 people can walk out of here on a Sunday morning and say, Great job, preacher. That was an awesome sermon. One can say, Well, that stunk. Or get mad because of something I said. And it prohibits me from taking a Sunday afternoon nap. Because I'm thinking of that one critic. Did you know that most pastors leave a church because of less than 10% of the people in the church always criticize and always gripe? They don't see the 90% who support. And, and Anyway, that's beside the point. The, the point is this. We listen to critical people in our life. 
there is a power that they have over us. I was joking a moment ago about you being married to a piece of heavenly sandpaper. The truth of the matter is you can't be that close to somebody without them irritating you every once in a while. Isn't that right? It's like the man who said, I have a whole lot more rough edges in my life than my wife does. That means she has to be a whole lot more irritating than I am. That was a quote from a man in our church. I will not give you his name, right? But understand this. God has sent those people into your life to develop a sense of his power. And you wonder how. What is the response I can have that can develop that power in my life? How do I respond biblically and godly to people who are unreasonable? Well, you do it through patience. Again and again, the Bible encourages us to be patient with unreasonable people. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. So that you can be just like my Father who is in heaven. Because He brings His Son on both the evil and on the good. You're patient. Ephesians 4.2 Paul says, be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So you make allowance for people. How many of you have ever been driving down the road and there's a, maybe a large uh, motor home or a large trailer in front of you and the wind's blowing and that thing's just weaving all over the road? You ever been behind something like that? I mean, they're just going from one side to another and they're going slow and you want to get around them so, so you see a break in the traffic and you, you give it all the gas your vehicle has and you take across there and try to pass them. You know what you do in a case like that? You make allowance for that weaving camper. Don't you? You move over just a little bit further so that they don't bump you. This verse is saying, make allowance for people who are unreasonable. Give them an extra lane or two. Now, listen to me. Being patient doesn't mean that you always let these unreasonable people have their way or ruin your business. Being patient with other people simply means that you love them... No matter what. Boy, that's tough. I need an amen right now. That's tough. For everybody I know, that's tough. Where do you start? How can you develop this attitude of patience and love in your life? Well, I think the starting place is just to take a picture of God's love for you. That you see God's love for you. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul described that. He said, I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ for you. He's praying that you can see it. Now, it's one thing for a guy to stand up here and talk to you about how great God's love is. It's quite another thing for you to grab hold of it and for you to picture it and for you to see it for yourself. As a boy growing up, I saw pictures of the Grand Canyon. I, I saw it on TV. But it was quite another experience when I stood there and looked out over it. I saw it in a new way. And Paul is writing here and saying, I want you to picture God's love for you. 
I want you to see God's love for yourself, how high, how long, how wide, how deep it is. And once you have seen that personally, once you have experienced God's love, you have a new strength to love other people. Once you picture how deeply God loves you, then I'm telling you, you can love other people. Let me put it like this. God is very patient with me. And not just with me, He is with you. God knows every fault and failure that I have in my life. God knows every stupid thing I've ever done or thought or said. Yet amazingly, He still loves me. And you know what? That is the number one thing that helps me be patient with other people. Because I know God is patient with me. And I can, I can tell you this. I would hate for God to be as impatient with me as I have been with other people. So God sends unreasonable people into your life to help build His power of patience and love. The way you see that is you just take a good look at how much God loves you. How much does God love you? Well, He loves you so much He sent His only begotten Son for you. He loves you. God uses to build His confidence into our lives. Number three, God uses impossible problems. He encourages us to learn to respond to impossible problems with faith. A lot of times we think if God is trying to help me become more confident, why in the world doesn't He put me in places where I can succeed? <laughs> that would build my self-confidence. Well, the problem is this. God is not trying to build your self-confidence. God could care less about your self-confidence. He is trying to build our confidence in Him. Huh? That's where the power is. That's where the strength is. Not in self-confidence, but in God-confidence in faith. It's interesting to me that Jesus only called His disciples timid one time. They had a lot of problems as disciples. They, they made a lot of mistakes and they did a whole lot of dumb things. But there was only one time that He called them timid. It was when they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden this, this storm brewed up. It was, it was a tremendous storm. Now all of these disciples were fishermen by trade. They had been on the Sea many times they knew a dangerous storm when they saw one and this was a dangerous storm they were in a panic they were afraid for their lives they were running around wondering what to do during all of this Jesus was down in the hull of the ship asleep he woke up and he stretched out his arms and he said peace be still and all of a sudden, it was, it was calm. He looked at his disciples and said, You timid disciples, you men of little faith. I think if I'm in the middle of a hurricane, I have a right to be a little af afraid, don't you? Huh? But the reason Jesus was upset with these disciples is the fact of their focus. Their focus was on the storm. 
That's all they could see, the storm. They didn't realize that the solution to the problem was in the boat. And their solution was a person, Jesus. Do you know God can do anything? That's what the Bible says, Luke 137, God can do anything. Well, of course He can, He's God. But have you discovered that in a personal way in your own life? The way that God helps you discover that is by sending an impossible problem into your life. Jesus said to His disciples at the end of that storm, Why were you so fearful? Don't you even yet have confidence in me? Let me tell you, impossible problems are an invitation to have confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. So every time an impossible situation comes into your life, don't freak out. Don't experience the fear of inadequacy. No, you can't solve it on your own, but God can. All things are possible with Him. I think a really good starting place for recognizing how much God can do in your life is an object lesson that God puts in front of us every day. That, that is, just take a look around. I mean, look around at everything God has made. Jeremiah 32, 17. Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. <laughs> Nothing is. And I know we face some seemingly impossible situations, but you know what? All things are possible with God. So what do you do? You have faith. You trust God. You depend on God. Hmm. You know, this fear of inadequacy has, uh, I think it's hit all of us. I, I know it was true in the life of many biblical characters. You just look through the Bible and person after person faced this fear of inadequacy. Moses faced this fear. He's the guy that wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, yet he faced the fear of inadequacy. Joshua faced this fear. He led the children of Israel into the promised land, yet he faced this fear. Jeremiah was a great prophet, but he faced this fear. Peter faced this fear, one of the disciples. Timothy, one of the pastors of the early church, faced this fear. They all faced it for different reasons. Moses felt like he couldn't talk well enough. And he was afraid to stand before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. He was afraid to stand and declare, let God's people go. <laughs> that reminds you of a movie? Huh? Jeremiah felt like he was too young. Peter felt like he was too brash. Timothy felt like he couldn't deal with people. But you know what? They faced it and they dealt with it. Moses does confront Pharaoh. Jeremiah does become a prophet. Peter speaks so confidently that thousands of people are saved when he preached. Timothy becomes a pastor at Ephesus. How did that happen? Well, it's because they looked at their fear of inadequacy and they realized it as true. They were inadequate. But their eyes were not focused on themselves. Their eyes were focused on a God who could. Get this. We can't, but He can. You can't, but God can. They found out that God is able. Ephesians chapter 3 says, He is able to do immeasurably more than anything you can ask or imagine. 
God can. You don't have to be controlled or gripped by this fear of inadequacy. Are you inadequate? Yes, you are. <laughs> We're human beings. But God is so powerful, He can change the human life. He can change us from the inside out. And if you've never allowed God to do that, do it today. Come this morning and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. He will transform your life. He will take that timid spirit out of you. Why? Because He hasn't put it there in the first place. And in its place, He will give you a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So just bring your problems to the Lord this morning. You know, it, it may be that incurable weakness. It, it may be that jerk of a person that just seemed... I told the first service, I have a book in my library that I bought when I was in seminary. Don't let jerks get the best of you. I have to reread it about every other month, yeah? I'm, I'm just joking. But don't, man, don't let jerks get the best of you. Ask God to give you patience and show them love. Look at God's love for you. Bring your impossible situations to God this morning. He'll give you faith. He can make all things new. He can change your life. Because all things, not some things, all things are possible through God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with my friends this morning who need to come to the altar and pray. Some need to come and give their heart to you. They've, they've never been saved. They've never confess their sins to you and ask you for forgiveness, I pray that they would come and do that today. Lord, if there is a, a Christian here today that's away from you, I pray that they would come home. Lord, for all of us who are dealing with uh, some fear that has its hold and grip on our life, I pray, dear Lord, that we would seek you today. And as the psalmist said, have you deliver us from all of our fears. Lord, may we bring our fears of inadequacy to the altar today and exchange those fears with dependence, patience, and faith. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.